It's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over my apartment. We watch any TV show that they choose. We watch it. We talk about it. We talk about a bunch of other crap. Today is a very special episode because my guest has been on the show before. He has watched the TV show that we're going to watch again, but just a different episode. Right. And you may know him. He is a writer on Late Night with Seth Meyers. He's also formerly the head writer of The Onion, one of the most important satirical newspapers in the history of the medium. I would just say it's the most important news organization in the history of news. Mm -hmm. But go ahead. But that's you. That's me. That is me. (laughs) And he is also a uh, raconteur. Mm. Mm-hmm. A that member of the group of uh, Jack White's side project, <laughs> and right. he, I think he's mostly involved in a lot of the side projects that Jack White is. In That's right. Involved. I'm also in the Dead Weather. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you. And I'm, all, I'm I'm actually the only male member of the all female band that he has that he tours with. So. How does he tour with them? Wait, well, he has when he tours, he has two bands. He has an all male band and an all female band. Uh huh. They they don't know which one he. They don't know which one he's going to use before he goes on stage. So, oh, the the backup band is. Yeah, so yeah. you're in the male band. I'm in the female band. Okay, I'm the only male member. I I broke that barrier. I'm the only male member member of the female band. Just breaking fucking taboos. And- all I want to do. That's all. I, when I was born, the only thing I set out to do was break taboos, break the glass ceiling, no <laughs> right. matter what. No matter what. Yeah. Which brings us to you were you were one of the first first guests on this show. Now our first now. It, be clear, our, the first podcast was downloaded how many times and in how many different countries and in how many languages was it translated into? Well, the thing is, once the internet hits enough zeros, it turns over. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we don't know. It was like what they thought was going to happen with Y2K, right. but it happened with the episode that we recorded. <laughs> so it's That's impossible. Great. It's impossible. But you were, I think, episode within the first five episodes, right. and we watched... We watched we watched an episode of Studio Sixty. I think the episode we watched last time was called the Friday Night Slaughter, right? And that was an episode where um, you sort of for everybody I'm sure is familiar with Studio Sixty. Actually, I bet a lot of people who watch who listen to this podcast might be familiar with it. Um, in that episode, we sort of go back in time and we see how Matt Albee, the head writer of the sketch show Studio Sixty, sort of meets Harriet. Uh, for the first time, but we also, during that episode, we see that Matt has a drug problem that's happening, right. and he gets an old writer confused with himself. His name is Tim Batali. It turns Which out is- to be an anagram for Matt Albee. That's how the episode ends. It's very intense. Very good stuff. Very good television. Excellent television. And an excellent podcast, so you can go back and download that's that right. and that's hear right. even more about that in depth. Yeah. yeah. And... I should have also said before I introduced you that not only are you all of those other incredible things and you have such an incredible Craig. life, Craig. but you also created the Matt Albee 60 uh, Twitter handle, right? which was, I looked it up, named one of the top uh, Twitter accounts of 2011. 2011, which, which means it's probably out out. Done. It's welcome by three yeah. years. Uh, overstated. Overstated. It's welcome by three years. Um, if you would have told me back in oh I don't know 2011 that I would still be doing this, I would have said that actually makes a lot of sense. Right, because it's still an active Twitter account. <laughs> That's right. 
and um, um, and it's still active. But the last time actually we were we did a podcast, I said that me and the guy who sort of started it with me, Jake Fogelnest, who runs the the Danny Trip account, I said that we wanted to do a fake oral history of Studio Sixty, and you've and you've done it. I did that when I was when I when I was. And I'm glad I actually said it on your podcast. Sometimes I feel like whenever you finally, when you say something out loud, you like then you say, "Okay, I actually have to sit down and do this." So you're saying my podcast has meaning? Your podcast has a ton of meaning. Wow, that's a very good podcast. Um, but yeah, me, like just saying that out loud made me think, "Oh, I should definitely do this." So, like, I just kind of sat down, wrote a chapter of uh, like. A chapter of the oral history of like Studio the 60. live from New York book. Yes, it's live. It's live from Studio Sixty. Uh, you wrote Chapter Seven, which I just reread. That's right. I wrote Chapter Seven, which is called. Do you remember the title of it? Um, no, I it's don't. It's called Matt and Danny. <laughs> <laughs> and it sort of sort of takes us through uh, the steps through which Matt and Danny came to become the head writer and executive producer of Studio Sixty after being away. It's for, sort of it's sort of the 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 pilot episode of Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip in right. in uh, in oral history form. Yes, yes. And but you you sort of meet some writers that you didn't quite know. Right. Or remember the staff, for example, Harper Lee mm-hmm. is a writer. Uh, he also uh, Jason Alexander <laughs> is referenced as a past cast. As a past member. cast member. Um, and then also, if you get the 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 web page for this oral history is sketchcomedyisimportant.com. Mm-hmm. And you can also look at the Amazon page, which, which has some, which has some reviews from Philip Roth. This Philip, Philip Roth reviews the book. Uh, Barack Obama reviews re, uh, reviews the book. A first responder from nine eleven calls it the most important thing that's ever happened in America. And I think one of the first user reviews is Louis C.K. saying <laughs> that this is better than any comedy that exists. That's true. And then the and the person who doesn't understand the book gives it a one star, but says I just don't get it because it's too 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 smart for me. Right. So. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't, I don't, I really don't think I would have done that had I not come on your podcast and said I was going to do it. Well, uh, so thanks for, I'm glad I'm a part of the on. history of studio 60 because right. you, truthfully your, your, <laughs> keeping... when I die, when I die, no one's going to remember this show. Yeah. It's like not even Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin barely remembers <laughs> this. And I should say one other thing about yeah. that. You were the first Aaron Sorkin show on this podcast. We've since done. West Wing, which it, makes sense. Uh, Shibboleth, which I know is also one of your. F- Shibboleth is, is awesome. Great, a great episode, and West yeah. Wing is one of your f- favorite shows as well. I yes, know that. It's great. And then, oh, there's a buzzer. Um, wife. Oh no. Oh god. Well, this you is get what, this is what you call a a terrible moment for podcast. <laughs> this is why pocket. This is why pocket. They're not polished, right? They're not like radio programs that are polished, right? This is like this. This can go ahead in a podcast, right? Whereas, uh, I don't know, Craig. It's kind of, it's kind of not done as well as it don't should. Put be. <laughs> don't put your jacket on. Don't don't put your jacket on. And then so we we experienced uh, uh, a West Wing episode, mm-hmm. and then we recently did a newsroom episode. Which the newsroom, I, I love Aaron Sorkin, and I, I think this is probably I probably said this in the last time. I love Aaron Sorkin, and I hate Aaron Sorkin. The newsroom is the worst television show, maybe in in, in the history of TV. It's it's I, yeah. And Studio Sixty is a bad television program, but I love to watch it. Um, 
but he's done but he's also done some really excellent things and there's actually some cool moments there's actually some cool moments in the pilot of studio 60 but the episode i chose which is the next one called the cold open mm-hmm. maybe has the worst moment uh and pe- the worst moment of the show mo- one of the most embarrassing moments of the show <laughs> and also it just it just starts you start to see these people talking about comedy in a way that doesn't exist uh, in real life. Yeah. Now, I've seen this episode. I don't remember specifically which one this is, um, but you want to give a little preview of what, what I Absolutely. can expect? And, and, I'll, and I'll say I haven't, I haven't brushed up. I just know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, Craig, uh, Matt and Danny at the end of the pilot – Matt and Danny are the two head writers, or co- and one's they're co EPs. Co EPs. Matt is the head writer, uh, and, and they've come back to the show after in the first episode making uh, movies. Ma- making movies, they've stepped down into the world of television, being successful, and and they've come back to the program. One because look, Craig, <laughs> Studio sixty, there's a lot of tradition there. It's sort of like the bedrock of television, right? And they know that. Even though they were busy making movies, their heart, you could say, was all was always with the institution, the comedy institution that was Studio 60. So that's a given. But also, Danny, played by Bradley Whitford, um, he got busted for cocaine. Mm. And that means that he is suspended from making movies. I think it has to do with the DGA or something. He's suspended from making movies. For like 18 months. So this makes sense for them. Is that a real thing, by the way? That can't be real. Well, I, here's why I think it might be real. Because Aaron Sorkin was like, did get busted. He for got post- busted drugs for drugs and stuff. Yeah. So maybe like he knows this. He knows like the mechanics of getting suspended from making movies. <laughs> uh, so like, so anyway, um, this is a, this this career move coming back to Studio Sixty makes sense for them. It is not a setback career wise because they love the program so much. But now the pressure's on, Craig. And what Matt needs, what Matt and Danny need mm. for their first episode where they're at the helm is a killer cold open. Ooh. Something that sets the tone. Right. Something that says, we're back. Mm-hmm. This show is different now. Right. And we are going to move forward in terms of moving ahead from Wes Mendel, who was the former executive producer who had a meltdown right. on television in the, in the pilot, and also move forward, forward comedy-wise. Bring the show into the 21st century. Wow. It, it had gotten complacent. It had gotten stale. And Matt and Danny are back to drive it forward. Uh, you can't, couldn't have set it up better. I know. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm excited to watch it. This there are only twenty two episodes of this show. I'm already going to say this. Mm-hmm. There but, should be six thousand four hundred seventy two of them. It's one of the things I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> and the second thing I was going to say is, if this podcast exists for twenty two years, uh-huh. we will have gone through every episode of the show. You're damn fucking right. I'm <laughs> never going to pick another episode of any other television show to do in this podcast. And people will in the future try to figure out the. The the numbers of episodes that we do jump around and yes. try to find the meaning between the you know what I'm saying like well that's the, my idea that's been my idea all along it's for people to have to piece it together it's a it's a puzzle yeah and now I have to ask you this yes. since before we watch it since the last time we watched this mm-hmm. 
you've moved to the world of TV a little bit more. You're a little more entrenched that's, in the world of TV. That's true. It's kind of funny uh, that, like, now <laughs> I work in Rockefeller Center, and I work for a comedy show. That's, that's basically the East Coast Studio 60. And I work for I work for a television program uh, that's executive produced by Lord Michaels. Um, who is the... I don't know who the equivalent you can, you is. You could say there are. You could say there are some analogs between Studio Sixty and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Saturday Night Live, um, which is uh, really interesting and cool and bizarre. Um, I, I mean, to be to be quite frank, uh, getting the job at Late Night uh, with Seth Meyers was an absolute dream come true. Um, it's very exciting and thrilling to go to work there every day. Um, and it's been said a lot by a lot of other people. And if you've read interviews about Seth Meyers, but, uh, he's quite excellent, uh, to work for. And I, I'm not just saying that because it's, it's good business to say that, uh, he's, he's been awesome and it's been, it's been wonderful. So, uh, yeah. So you can say he's the Matt Albee of, no, I would say I'm the Matt Albee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to give him that. Well, the thing about it, Seth is that he's a writer too. Like he, he's, I mean, abs- he's, he's absolutely the head writer of SNL. He's the head writer of SNL, um, and he has every time we have a bit in the show, we meet with him during the day and uh, we go over it with him. He's excellent. Um, uh, he 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 knows his shit. It's really it's really great. And now and I so know, does our head writer Alex Bates, who, who knows his shit also. Now I have to say this because you know the importance of Studio Sixty, and you know also the importance of Late Night, mm-hmm. which I know that you might have to toe the company line. Studio Sixty is more important. Yeah, absolutely. But, Studio Sixty is more important than all of it. Okay, <laughs> I mean it's more important than anything. Okay, so it's it's not even a question. <laughs> Studio Sixty is more important than Barack Obama being elected president of the United States, right? Or Hillary Clinton. So, you see, so you're more, calling that that she's going to be – you're calling that right now? I'm going to call it, yeah. Wow. Absolutely. And Studio 60 is more important than like the atomic bomb we're going to drop eventually in another country some other time. It's more important. You're making a lot of – because the first thing you said in the first episode about you doing an oral history happened. Yeah. yeah. So these other two things are going to happen. Absolutely. Wow, we might have to do some more predictions after we watch. Have you ever heard of the sta- of the of the Stanley Kubrick movie? Uh, well, what's it called? Uh, Doctor Strangelove. Um, it's very yeah. satiric. Yes, it talks about the bomb. Yes, I think there was actually a lot of truth mm. to what he was saying. Yeah, and that could happen. I think that could really happen. I I really do. I don't disagree with you. It's very smart <laughs> and very biting. Yeah, it skewers our government. Yeah. It skewers what's what's happening. Yes, just like Studio Sixty skewers the culture. Wow, God, I'm so I feel like I'm perfectly primed. You've primed the pump. If, if people listening to this podcast don't watch this episode, they're fucking idiots. Yeah, it's one ninety nine on iTunes. Buy it. Buy it. We're gonna check it out right now. Let's do it. I don't have a cold open. And unless we find Bin Laden between now and Friday night, we're gonna have people's attention for the open. It needs to be too many things. What does it need to be? Self-deprecating, an acknowledgement, and an acceptance. A message from the producers? Should be on a grand scale. What's a grand scale? A song. A big song, a musical number. All right. Should pay respect to where we are, this studio, this city. Keep talking. I'm trying. We take the show seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously? That's right. We screw it up, but we won't do it again. Yeah. We'll be model citizens. We'll be a model. We'll be a model. 
You know who did the best frat humor of all time? Rudy Valley. Groucho Marx. It was W.S. Gilbert. Be the very model of a modern network TV show. We hope that you don't mind that our producer was caught doing blow. Yes. Yes! Yeah. What do we have that says legacy of television? Like Arturo Toscanini and the NBC Orchestra. Jay. What do we have that says... Jay! Jay! So I'm just coming to see you. I'm on hold with Clay Aiken's manager. Then hang up the damn phone. We need John Mocherry and the West Coast Philharmonic. We're also going to need the L.A. Light Opera Chorus. And if you can't get them, try the L.A. Phil or the USC or UCLA Orchestra. Whoever it is, it's got to be Los back. Angeles. they got to be able to play. Is this a joke? We're counting on it. No. Okay, now we just need to write the song and the rest of the show. Back. We're back. We did it. We did it. Can I, before we talk, start talking about the show, ask how many times you think you've seen this episode? Um, I would say seven to ten. Seven to ten times? Yes. I mean, there were was, there was several points, Craig, where I took pride in and was embarrassed by how I would like to say lines to you before they happened. Yeah. You did um, that a number of times. Um, but, and it's like... It's not showing off, but it is also showing off. Yeah. And I'm embarrassed it's showing off because it doesn't matter that I know this information. Right. And I'm probably blushing right now, but uh, I really liked showing you that I knew a lot of the lines from the show. <laughs> I, from the other person's standpoint, I was just blown away. Thank you. <laughs> and Thank that you. was all I thought the entire time was, wow. Thank you. The knowledge is just bubbling on the surface. Right. Um, and I have to, and I can't just keep it to myself. No, no. I have to give it. I have to give this knowledge. I have it. I must give it. I literally, I watched Back to the Future this weekend with my wife, and I've seen the movie. I've watched it with her a million times, and I've still had to say. You lines. watched it with her before she was your wife. Yeah, exactly. When she was just your girlfriend. When, just when she was my GF. Yeah. <laughs> when, she, when it was now, it, when now it she's was, your wife. And that, back then it was. I was still. It's complicated on Facebook. You know what I mean? Oh, I get it. Hey, Craig, how's yeah. your wife? She's doing great. From Jerry Maguire. Hey Jerry, how's your wife? What's the response? I think he just like is like, hey, look, I get what you're trying to say. I've been neglecting my wife, but that's not what you're doing. You're a very thoughtful husband. Wow. Thanks, man. No problem. That's going to be some extra points when she listens to this. Uh, So we just watched the cold open, Mm -hmm. the second episode of Studio Sixty on the Sunshine Strip, the TV show, Mm -hmm. but the first episode of Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip. The TV show within the TV show, helmed by Danny Tripp and Matt Albin. That is correct. Thank you, Craig, for clearing that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, let's. Why don't we give a quick? Why don't we give a basic overview, and we'll we'll touch on different themes and things that we. we Absolutely, I'd love to do all of that. Yeah, I'll let you start it off. So, basic overview, and I hope I didn't talk about it too much before we saw the show. But uh, it's Matt and Danny's first show as head writer has head writer and co-EPs. Um, and Matt needs a cold open. He God, knows that he knows that he has to send a message with this cold open. And, you know, for those of you, for those of you who are lay, those lay people out there don't mm. know what a cold open is. It's the program starts and with bef- it's the, it's what happens before credits happen. It's like the, so it's like the start of a program, but there aren't any credits. So it's so like it's just, in Saturday Night Live, it's the the sketch where they go live from New York. Yeah, Saturday at the night. end of it. Yeah. So this is this was like his cold open. This is his way to set. He wanted to set the tone. He wanted to set the tone for what Studio Sixty was going to become. He also mentions in the in the in the 
in the episode that it also needs to reflect the city, which I don't. Yeah, what is that? I mean, I, mean, I, I guess it kind of does that because it's like the L.A. Philharmonic or something, but it's like. Nothing really has to do with like the city of Los Angeles, right? It's, going like, <laughs> it's not like and like nobody cares. Like, no, no, no. Like, yeah, it needs to reflect the city. Uh, it's, like, it's not like the city of Los Angeles had anything to do with. And 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 so at the beginning of the episode, Jordan, who is the president of yes. NBS, yes, which is so it's interesting. You you talk about NBS, and I hope I didn't talk about this too much the last time I was on, but. This is a world where NBC exists. In fact, Saturday Night Live also exists. Yeah. And they mention it within this episode. Yeah, and this is the first time that Saturday Night Live is mentioned. Which doesn't really mean... I, I wonder this. So I think we sort of talked about it a little bit while we were watching, and we probably actually had this exact same conversation right. last... Well, we may or may not have. But why do you think... What are the pros and cons of... Men, what's the pro of having... SNL exist in this world? There's no pro. Right? There's nothing. It's all con. Like it makes because, it makes it div, diffuses the whole importance of the show. Yeah. But by if if this show is super important and everybody in the press cares about it and it's right. this institution, and then there's also SNL. Yeah. It's like wait, what? Yeah, it's not good. It's a bad choice. And I think they probably made that choice thinking we should address this uh, eight hundred pound gorilla in the room or something like that. But no, it's like. You are the 800 pound. You 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 are addressing it purely by doing this show, right? Like they know what the what the source material is. Yeah, everyone knows what the source material is already. Yeah. So it's weird to hear like Lorne Michaels's name uh, during this episode when it's like, but Wes Man- Wes Mandel is Lorne Michaels, right? Like that's the deal. Yeah. That's the show you've. That's what you've chosen to do. You've chosen to do this show called Studio 60. Aaron Sorkin. You've chosen to do it. So then just do it. You know. And it's. Also weird that this show, Studio Sixty, aired on NBC. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they like it's not like along with Thirty Rock. Along with Thirty Rock, they started at the same time. But like get over yourself, NBC. Jesus, shouldn't somebody have been like what? What? What's the, what's behind that? Because they, could, you know what? This is what happened. Aaron can do whatever he wants. Right, true. Aaron is a genius. Right. Aaron can do whatever he wants. Right. Aaron is the best. Aaron is a wordsmith. Aaron. Is a story smith. He, we trust him implicitly. Right. That's the deal. That's what happened. And the West Wing was really great. Hey. So it was great. Yeah. Um, but this, he blew it. No, he <laughs> that, blew it. That was that. He did, makes a, bad, it, he did a bad job uh, writing wise. <laughs> that being said, he blew it big time. <laughs> he bit, yeah. So so Jordan at the beginning of the episode, Jordan, who's the president of MBS, not NBC, that also exists. Right. She gives this press conference where she basically builds up the fact that Danny Tripp and Matt Albee are coming back, and she's like, she sets the bar so high. Yeah. They even, in fact, say that to her, and she says. Clear it. Clear it. Clear the bar. It's, Craig, television is about creating – good television is about cre- – and stop me if you know what I'm about to say. Mm. Oh, I know, but I want the audience to know. Tele- good television, folks, is about creating conflict. Mm. And what this episode does beautifully, it creates many conflicts – we have Jordan in conflict with her boss, Jack Rudolph, the chairman of MBS. Hmm. We have Matt and Danny in conflict with themselves, hmm. with what they know they can do, and perhaps what they can do better. And we maybe ha- with the status quo, they're in conflict? They're in conflict with the status quo. They're, they're in conflict with 
what could be deemed as comedic progress. They're in conflict with art. I mean, mm. they are in conflict with art. Matt is in conflict with Harriet. Mm. Um, they are, I would say you could say they're in love. Mm. Um, so there's many conflicts happening and they are carried out uh, flawlessly mm. in what is one of the greatest episodes in television history. Mm. So, yeah. Well, that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> the the podcast. We, we solved it. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's true. There are a lot of conflicts. Yeah. And there's a conflict. This episode brings up the, I'd say, one of the most notorious sketches of the... Yes. I think we've probably mentioned the last one, but... It's sort of, I think, what is the problem with the show in general, right. which, which is the, the the sketch that is mentioned is called Crazy Christians, yes. which just title-wise sounds like uh, one of the worst sketches terrible. that could ever exist. It sounds terrible. Ever. And, um, but, you know, they were probably, I always try to think of like what they were thinking. Right. Like, it has to pop. It has to it pop. It has to pop. It has to pop. Uh, what's the word? Um, shocking. It has to pop. Uh, edgy, right? Yeah, they probably think you're always getting in their heads. Well, I to to be in their heads or to even come close to me in the approx- approximate distance of their heads is to be in the head of genius, right? So I'm constantly trying. Yes, yes. Um, but like Icarus, don't fly too close to the sun. I, but I wish I could. <laughs> um, yes, but the sketches crazy Christians and and at the, during the press conference, this is mentioned by somebody from Rapture magazine. Yeah. Oh God. They. This is. I feel like this is an all of Sorkin stuff. They loony media types. I think that happens in the first episode of West Wing. Isn't the one with the with uh, the his daughter his his yeah. granddaughter? Maybe it might. It might it or something, be. or something similar. Like somebody, there's a conflict with a Christian group, and I think it has to do with. Well, that was when they the conflict with the Christian group happens, and it it's like sort of at the end there, and they say people like us, and like Toby's like she means she, she means juice. juice, she means juice, and that's when the president comes in and is very heroic. But, right, um, but that's the I think that's the pilot episode. Yeah, yeah. He his themes. Uh, he his themes and. The variety with which he explores them right. is, I don't know, does it have any parallel? Ulysses? I think so. <laughs> I think so. I, I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I asked the question not knowing anything, but yeah. I mean, the only, oh my God, this show, I, it's so hard to almost wrap your head around the things because yeah. they're so, so much. gigantic. So like Rapture Magazine is, becomes this, this, uh, conflict for, for Jordan, the MBS president, because right. the, who does Jack Rudolph represent? He is, he's the chairman of that. He represents the, the stockholders, like the board, the board. So yeah, yeah. they're worried that because Rapture magazine and, and, and the actual crazy Christians out there yeah. are responding to this, that they're going to lose, uh, ad dollars. They're going to lose. They're going to use the affiliates. Yeah. Well, you, you, I mean, Craig, it's, it's like a, it's like a domino effect. You lose one affiliate in Terre Haute. You lose another affiliate in Arkansas, and suddenly the companies that own the affiliates they start dropping. So all of a sudden, as Jack Rudolph said, you're basically uh, you're basically a college radio station. Mm. So I mean, that's conflict. That's conflict. That's a conflict they have to deal with. That's a conflict. Yeah. Um, 
powerful. Very powerful. And we never do we ever get to see the sketch crazy Christians in I know it happens in this episode, but No, we don't. We do get to see at some point science schmines. Science schmines. Uh, that's with uh guest host Carl Reiner, isn't that one? Uh Wait, is Carl Reiner in it? Yes, Does he's it? a he's like a he's like a host one. That's week. so great. Yeah. We wrote down some of these sketch titles that we saw on the, the board. On the big board with the clock above it. These are the ones that made it. These are the things that actually made the show. These are just some of them. Let me see if I can find we have 70s family. Right. But what did they lead off with? They did the cold open. What was their first sketch? Their first sketch after the cold open was? Yes. Was, uh, I believe it was Jamaican barbecue hut. <laughs> oh, no. It was Centaur the okay. Courier. Cent- okay. So they did the cold open. Here's the thinking behind it, putting together this, this important episode of Studio 60. What, what I think. So they did the cold open, which was powerful. It addressed... Uh, the problems happening at MBS. And we'll, we'll get to. We'll talk about. Okay. The, we'll, talk we'll talk about, about the cold open. Okay, we'll talk about the cold open. But then the sketch right after that is called Centaur the uh, Courier. Centaur the Courier. So I believe this is some sort of mailman. That's also some sort of mythological uh, courier of some uh, as mailman. That's some sort of mythological creature right. that I assume when he shows up at people's doors, people are quite afraid. Right. That's that. I, I assume is the the comedic premise behind that. Yep. Okay. So now you would think. You would think that you would go right into – you would think that your first sketch after the cold open might be Crazy Christians. Right. You're talking about it. But Matt and Danny are very smart. Right. They know that the audience, they need a nice little palate cleanser. Right. Just something silly. Right. Something silly. Nothing, nothing too biting. Nothing, nothing too topical. Nothing too topical. So just they, humor. So it's just humor. Just humor. Playful, fun, silly humor. And that's good. So when Studio 60 is at its best – Craig, uh, it has a really good mix of silly, of smart, of satire. So, uh, they, so they're a very brilliant move for them to do Centaur uh, the Courier. And then you come back from commercial, boom. and then boom. Second sketch of the night, essentially the third, if you count the cold open, is Crazy Christian. And then you're just... You're, you see, because you're showing the Christians out there or the people that are, you're showing. Look, it's a satire. Bomb. We're silly. We're we're having fun, and then we hit you over the top. That's of the right. Head and with. we and we can it and we can do all these things as we maneuver through this hour and a half of comedy. Right. We can do these types right. of things. We can we can we can be silly. We can be smart, and it, it's so uh, anthemic. Is that the word? Mm, well, I don't know what the I word is uh, to the Studio Sixty brand. Right. Yeah. God, they're so good. And yeah. then then they just have other. Killer ones like Seventies Family, yeah, Jamaican Barbecue Hut, mm-hmm. Mannequin Robinson, and when I asked you during when I asked you <laughs> Mannequin Robinson, which we assume is some sort of uh, basketball playing mannequin, I guess it would either be th- yeah, that's like because Robinson is a black person's last name and they play basketball. So <laughs> so so then then I asked you I asked you um, Craig, what's the weird sketch? Because oh, right. everyone sort of knows that. The SNL, last sketch like, of the night. Yeah, at around, uh, what, like 12.55 or something. That's where you see like a weird one. So what's their weird one? It's called You're Beating Up Rudy. Beating Up Rudy. So I, here's what I'm thinking. Right. Because it's sort of the weird one, I bet it's a lot of repetition with a little like football player sort of getting the crappy out Ooh, of them. Ooh, Rudy. Yeah, Beating Up Rudy. That's what I think it must be. Right. So, uh, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like it's just the repetition of him sort of getting beat up over and over and over again. Not really that much to it, but we're in weird land now. It's silly. And yeah, you know, it, it features the more who, well, who would be like, 
I'd say in recent SNL uh, history, like Will Forte was the one that would have a lot of the late yeah. night. Who's I, the equivalent of that on on that's Studio That's a great 60? question. I think it's Dylan Killington. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the uh, <laughs> he's the more overweight uh, cast right. member. Um, I think he. I would assume he would be Rudy. Just envisioning uh, somebody getting beaten up over and over. Uh, I think he would be perfect for that part. Right. Yeah. And he's just I don't think it's bit. a Tom Jeter character. Right. I think Tom Jeter has a little bit more. Well, Tom Jeter's in the big three, the big three right. uh, big, cast members. Big three, which is Tom Jeter, uh, Harriet Hayes, and Simon Stiles. And and I don't think that he would be, you know, he's got he, he's already got his stuff in. He's got that. his stuff in. Yeah, I mean, he might have even been in Julia Child's Child, which that's, was another sketch. That's right. Um, but I think probably getting that slot for Dylan Killington is a really big deal for him. Oh, yeah, because, totally. Uh, I bet he was very passionate about beating up Rudy and it was cool for him to sort of get that past dress and into the show. Yeah, and maybe he tried to get that past dress before, you know what I mean? Like that's Yeah, I, yeah, I'm 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 this might this might be, you know, they this might be the fourth or fifth time and maybe it works best uh with the host this week, which is who is who is um, Mark Wahlberg. Mark, Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg is the host. host. But the show, but as Matt Alby said, or, or as Danny Tripp said, Matt Al- Matt's not going to want to make the show about Mark Wahlberg. You, you can't make the first show back with Matt and Danny about, uh, about Mark Wahlberg. And you know what? If What movie if, is he there promoting? So this aired in 2000, 2006. 2006? So yes. what movie is he there promoting? It's probably Entourage Season 2. <laughs> <laughs> or something. or something like that. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Happening? But if he if if late night sketches if the if the last sketch of the night doesn't get on, they could always put it on second chance theater with Beth Byers. With set set tires. <laughs> set tires. <Yeah. laughs> Which is NBS's version of late night. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I you know actually once joked uh, in my my Twitter feed, the t- the main uh late night show on eleven thirty uh on NBS is hosted by Kevin Pollack. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. He's, now, he's the main guy. Yeah, yeah. He would definitely be the main guy. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the opening. The, so the cold, the whole thing of the episode is what's going to be the cold open. Yeah. We have to talk about the scene where they brainstorm and come up with the actual cold open for the show, which I think is another indicator of where Studio 60 on Sunset Trip, the NBC TV show, yeah. not the Studio 60 the Sunset Trip, the actual show on yeah. the air in NBS world. Yeah. Where it is, but so like, this is actually, and I think I talked about this first time I was here, but we talk about we talked about this endlessly at the Onion Office, the mm. show, constantly, and this was this specific exchange was something that me and Will Tracy, who was the editor in chief at the Onion, uh, for a while, what well, we talked about a lot because at one point Matt is sort of like hit with a wave of genius mm. in this episode right? where he knows exactly what he wants to do with the cold open. It snaps. It just somebody says, somebody says we are a model. Cal, Cal Shanley. Cal Shanley, Cal Shanley, the director says we are a model. And at that moment, Matt realizes that he wants sort of a Gilbert and Sullivan cold open, but he doesn't really say he it. He doesn't say it. He doesn't say it. So what he does is he asks, he asks the room. He, 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 Presents himself to the room and he says, naked. He, no, he's, <laughs> he, he's, he, he, he presents the room with a question. He says, who was, the be- who was best known for their frat humor? Right. And, and where would a modern person's mind go with that? I would say Belushi. I'd say Belushi. Yeah, you'd go Farley, any Farley, of those. And yeah. th- they exist in this world, by they the way. They exist in this world. So at that point, no, nobody, nobody says those names. 
what Tom Jeter says, who is, I, I would assume, like a 25 to 28-year-old cast member. Uh, he says Rudy Valley, Who is an old, like, megaphone crooner type yeah. <laughs> from, yeah. from the early 1900s. So Aaron Sorkin, the writer of the show, decided that he wanted his program to be the type of program where people are so aware of the history of broadcasting that and, and humor that the 25 to 28-year-old says Rudy Valley, And they also multiple times in the show say this is the hip show. Yeah. This is the hip, cool show. This is the hip, cool show. So this is hip and cool. The next person says Groucho Marx, mm-hmm. which I don't mind if it's like the fourth person that said right. like, if somebody says yeah we could go we could say Belushi we could go Farley and you know what if we're, why, why not say Groucho Marx like, but even so in. you don't when you say frat humor nowadays it doesn't mean what it meant in like the 30s 40s no absolutely it's a not tor- like, uh, absolutely like, not it, in fact the person who says Groucho Marx should be like looked at and be like, you're weird you're, you're a weird person you're a weirdo you should, you should leave you're a weird person they um, should have been like old school with Will Ferrell yeah like frat humor <laughs> Maybe even neighbors. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so like, and then, and then Matt Albee says W. S. Gilbert, and then it's like, that's when they know when Matt. They they know where Matt's headed. They know where Matt's head is, which is always the best place. In the which o- is the best place. The place, and they it's uh, the song uh, I am a ma. <laughs> we are uh, a, mo- a model. I'm a model major, major general. Yeah, 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 you know yeah, yeah. that song. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, and then and then at SeaWorld they're like porpoises and stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, and that the cold open is sort of it's it's that. And which is when you see them actually perform it, it's so embarrassing. It's so it's like one of those things where like at a high school talent show and you're like you you know the person's just not talent like you know they're about yeah. to be they're going to give it their all and they think like this is my moment and it's just super you're. You don't even want to make fun of them. You just feel for them. Yeah, it's them. it's it's so sad. And uh, as another thing, I want to tell you when Will Tracy and I talk about this, we always talk about sort of doing a video where we see this cold open. They're done. They do their big thing, and they're ah, and then it's just like they're breathing heavily because they've just done this thing, and like nobody claps, yeah. <laughs> and you just hear like a cough, and like maybe one person like claps but then realizes nobody else is going to clap along with them and that means studio 60 is done yeah that's the final episode <laughs> like, that's a, but that's what would happen if like the casper snl did that you'd just be like what, what the hell's the going hell on? is going on and yeah. i but at which hey that's anti-comedy man then I, maybe it's cool maybe, maybe it's, it's cool. genius maybe it's cool maybe it's genius but yeah in this occasion no 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 it's not um but it's so funny like in the if you guys watch it again the choreography and I'm sure they were like, look, we're going to do this. We're not going to make the choreography that hard. We're going to just do a couple little things. Via- and so through editing, it'll look like, right, like right, we're right. actually doing something. But if you guys watch sort of like the wide shots, the choreography is so dumb. <laughs> and like it doesn't – it looks like they're just like gently tapping their feet or gently Ugh. like putting the heel of their foot, like inverting it to the ground. Like <laughs> It's just like it doesn't look like anything. It does represent the city. The, representing the city of Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, it's it, so important. It is important. Yeah. I mean, and you work in late night. You have to know that <sighs> the New York City is a living, breathing it's, it's entity. A, I mean, it's it's a character in and of itself. Right. 
And Los Angeles is a character in and of itself. It doesn't have any lines, but it doesn't have to, Craig. Right. It doesn't have it's to. It's always there. It's always there. It's always there. The pulse of the city. God, they're good. The pulse of the city, the sounds of the car horns, the grit of Skid Row. Mm. This is what we have to capture. And I think they do it well, and you're well on your way. Thank you very much, Craig. Um, the um, Danny Tripp, he's... Oh, here's another question for you. Sure. You know the show in and out. Mm-hmm. Danny Tripp, the big thing for him is that he was caught with cocaine. Yeah. They explained we, yeah, they explained during the episode why he can't do movies is because of insurance. Insurance, yeah. Which I think maybe probably... That no, must I'm be, sure that's a real thing. That must be a real thing. Yeah. But does he ever have an issue with cocaine again in the 22 episodes of this TV show? That's a great question. That's my second great question. I think there is a small thing that happens. Because I feel like if you... There's were caught if you were caught with cocaine ten days before this, yeah, and you are a coke addict, which they yeah he is he's an addict he is it something something does happen. What yeah. happened? But I I it, you don't see him doing coke. I think it's just he says I had a little I had a little like relapse. But like you'd think that. that this would be something that would be dealt with throughout the you no, know it's a I mean? huge like, deal. I mean that that sounds like a great conflict to keep up. Like his his coke problem, his like, coke problem. Yeah, it, it eventually the drugs actually manifest into Matt, Matt taking painkillers. Right. Um, there was you know it's funny talking about like good things. Like that would have been really good. There are like good moments. <laughs> it's really hard for me because there are like good moments yeah. in this episode. But then it's it gets to a point where I've sort of made fun of this show so much that it makes it hard for me to say like, actually, I mean, I still genuinely do like the good moments, but then I feel embarrassed telling you that. Well, but at the same time, or like, I laugh laugh genuinely at some of the stuff. But nobody watches this episode (laughs) seven to 10 times purely out of hate. You know what I mean? Of course it's love. Of course it's love. Of course it's love. And there are moments that I totally like. Which were your favorite moments? Which were your favorite moments in this? I, really like kind of <laughs> when they're backstage and before they get introduced and she's like talking them up that, I, right. and he's like and they're like oh my god what is she doing out there like i really like that i like that sort of tension um i like i do genuinely like the part where simon styles calls out danny trip for not watching the show right once he left which i think is a pretty good attention to detail mm. um about how like creative people tend to be about when they're in something and then when they're out of it, they like don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's, Interesting. um, which I, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, I, what else did I like? I like the moment. It's so cheesy. I really like the moment when Danny point blank asks, Matt, is Harriet going to be an issue? And he says, it's not gonna be an issue. I just, uh, there are 50 people in all of Hollywood who genuinely know how good she is. We are two of them. And then there's a beat and he's like, and she makes me laugh, um, which is hard to do. And well, I make her laugh, which is even harder to do and love her smile. And I like, she's sex. She's undeniably sexy. She makes me smile. So yeah, it's gonna be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm. There is a part. There is a huge part of me actually that is a real sucker 
yeah. for like romantic <laughs> comedy type moments like well, that. Well, even uh, yeah, I know, and some of the writing is just like even if it's like overdone or like you know too smart for itself. It's still good. Like even the thing about the the butter thing was is so good. Like that's my favorite line. It's a good line. So what? what uh, he, he's like, um, right before the show, Harry goes up to Matt Albee and says, "I got you know when in the in that sketch where I asked for a butter, asked for the butter in the in I improvised. She improvised. Well, it uh, killed at the table. It read. killed at the table. Read and it died during the dress rehearsal. What did I do? What did I do different? And Matt says. At the ta- at, during the dress rehearsal, you asked for the laugh. And then she says, what did I do at the table? You asked for the butter. <laughs> so annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so annoying. It's not untrue. That's what sucks. <laughs> and, but, like, it really sucks because it's, 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 it's a totally valid note that you could totally see a director telling an actor backstage before they go on. And it's a good note. When it's on this TV show, you can't help but think to yourself, "Ah, eh, shut the fuck shut up. up. <laughs> shut Just up. Shut up, you shut up, fucking dork. You dick. Yeah, but like there is there are elements where it's like, yeah, people talk like people do talk like that. People get really serious about what they do. I mean, yeah, I do this Twitter account and I make fun of like <laughs> but like I've totally I I know I I know I said this during our last podcast <laughs> and it remains true to this day. I talk really annoyingly passionate about comedy and the type of product i want to do and all that kind of stuff of course you do but at the same time you also make the people around you laugh constantly i'd say i'd say that's like a big a a big part yeah of the thing is like so is Um, getting is getting laughs which in this thing obviously yeah none of the none of that exists but of course when you when you care about anything you're going to take it seriously but like when you show that part of comedy yeah it's like that's the part of comedy that's but i have a question for you yes it's not dishonest. It's not. It's not dishonest, it, and that and that's kind of the that's like the t- that's the tough thing because you would think that if you sh- if by just by purely by being honest you're doing something with artistic integrity, but this honesty comes off as annoying, grating, right? Uh, pretentious and it pret- and pretentious. Yeah, and that's actually kind of horrifying mm. that you could write something that is honest maybe perceptive about creative people and art in general and then it just it lands so flat and it lands so like annoying yeah you know that's that's actually kind of scary i think yeah but you scary because you're saying that that is probably how people like us are or because no, just knowing that if you created something that you really liked and you thought this is actually good because it's honest and i'm not like and I'm not sort of mincing words and I'm actually being quite perceptive about a group of people, you know, like in all of Aaron Sorkin's stuff. But it's, but it's honesty from an outsider. That's the thing. That's- it is honesty from an outsider. But in Aaron, a lot of Aaron Sorkin's stuff, he has people in workplaces mm-hmm. and the workplaces he chooses tends to have people who in real life, yeah, they do like sort of quip, not to this extent. This is obviously heightened, but like, do like sort of quip back and forth. And when we see it, it's like, Oh, that's annoying. But when we live it, we're not watching us do it, but maybe we're as annoying. 
No, no, there's no. I, I there's hope. No I really way. hope not. There's no I way. Not. I mean, there's a way, but there's a way. There is a way. Yeah, but I, I highly doubt it. Okay. I highly doubt it. Thank you, Craig. I can't. I can't imagine that. Well, that's the thing. Is like what is missing here, which I think is the center for most places where comedy happens is just bits which you can't recreate that's true. you can't you recreate can, bits. you can't recreate bits yeah but like that's like, i would assume that a lot of a lot of our conversations we're we're two actually uh sensitive guys i think but a lot but i would say 90 percent of our conversations in the workplace it's pure bits it's literally you're not having an actual human discussion no, it's not it's, it's nonsense for most of the time, and then when it actually needs to be serious, yeah, they're serious. Of course, and we're able to understand when bit world ends. Yes, it's, yeah. always, it's always a bummer when, <laughs> yeah. bit, when bit world ends. But yeah, I guess you're, you're point. like like if we were on if you were on that level of quip and and this is important all the time. Like you couldn't handle no, nobody you could, could nobody could handle you. You couldn't handle yourself. Like it would be insanity. Yeah, and guess, even though you do take it seriously. The other part's more fun, you know what I mean? Oh, like, sure. The other part is way more fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think I think we're good people. Yeah, I enjoyable think, people. I, I think hope. I think we're okay. <laughs> I think we're okay. Yeah. I think I think we're all. I think we're all right. Yeah. I don't. I don't know, but but God, but Aaron Sorkin is perfect. <sighs> Well, yeah. he he did have that other thing that you mentioned the the bloggers, uh, which yeah. which you said played a role. And then I tried to look it up, and I I think I may have mentioned in another podcast that mentioned him. But uh, see that, and that's another thing. So like, what he always is a common theme in like almost everything he does is where he makes fun of people on the internet and their lack of credentials and their lack of expertise, and then that's usually followed up with. They do something that's grammatically incorrect right. or they spell something incorrectly. And it's hard because I agree with him. I do think internet commenters are mentally ill. And and I my my suggestion to anybody who's would be not to read them at all if it's right. Yeah, that I agree. But whenever he goes off on them, it just has this feeling of like, dude, shut up. Yeah. Like it's almost like we know. Yeah, we know. But then again, on the other side, if you work at one of these shows, you are susceptible to reading comments about your stuff. Right. And what people are writing about it and seeing if the if the audience feels that way. So it's it is something that's like it is something that's talked about and making fun of those people is something that's done. Yes. It's truly done. So in a way, we are watching something that does happen. Right. But whenever it just I don't know if it's the way it's written or the way it's filmed, but it just comes off as so pretentious and annoying. Right. Well, I think also like the only two because who says that it's uh, Jeter uh, is the one who's reading Derek Jeter, D- Derek Jeter uh, and A Rod. I think we're reading some of these <laughs> comments to Reggie Jackson to Reggie to Reggie Jackson and, and uh, Don Bell. Mattingly and yeah. Reggie Bell. And um, he, but he. I feel like the only Apollonial is, is there. Um, <laughs> uh, Andy Pettit, I believe. Andy Pettit is there. Uh, David Cohn. David Cohn is for a short there. while yeah, <laughs> was there. Yeah. Um, and but he's. I don't remember if he's self-deprecating about it or not. But I feel like even when you read, some, like he's worried that like that's going to be picked up by like the nightly news or like New York right. Times is going to quote that or something. Right, right, right. But I feel like 
the only characters that are actually like self-deprecating are, are like Mike Messina are like Mike Messina and like uh, Cano Robinson Cano is is self-deprecating. <laughs> But like not Derek Jeter, <laughs> Derek Jeter, <laughs> and not Derek, not Derek Jeter, not Derek right. Jeter. I was just saying, like Matt. I think Matt Albee makes fun of himself, and I feel like not a lot of the other characters do. Is that true, or did I just make that up? Uh, I think if he makes fun of himself, it's always you always feel like you know so you know how seriously he takes himself, so it doesn't even matter, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean the same. Could totally be said for uh, Terry Pendleton. Mm-hmm. The same could be said right. for Terry Mulholland. Yeah, the that's same totally true. Said. I mean, like Joe Torre or, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I decided to go outside the Yankee universe, but actually Terry Pendleton played. Did he play for the Yankees? You know what? You lost me with those two. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. God damn it. You fucking ruined the bit. I ruined the bit. No, I did because I don't have as much baseball knowledge. No, that's just like 90s baseball knowledge. Um, I mean, Bobby Bonilla, we could talk about. Absolutely. Bobby- Tuffle, we could talk about. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, Jose Lean really took himself seriously as a um, sketch comedian and as a second baseman. But I think there was something where in real life, Aaron Sorkin talked down to people on blo- he responded on blogs. Yeah, I mean, and, and he shut do down that. and he shut down a West Wing blog or something and like bu- that. And, I, and by the way, yeah. yeah, and like I think whenever you're a comedy show or a comedy newspaper, you never respond. Never respond. I want to ask you a question, but go ahead. I don't know if it's... No, go ahead. Ask. You, go ahead. I don't it's know fine. if this is... If you want to talk about it, we could take we can talk it off about it. if you don't want to. No, but we can talk about it. Go ahead. There was... I think it was while you were gone at the Onion. It was... Well, my first day back was oh, when I saw Oh, my God. Because yeah. that was... There was a... I believe it was a tweet. Yeah. About during the Oscars? Yes, we, we live tweeted the Oscars, and the tweet was, um, I think we all, let's all say what we're really thinking, that Kevin Zanae Wallace is a real cunt. And she's what, a young... She's a young girl. Young girl. So, I will say this. It's clearly a joke, because no one's actually thinking that. Everyone of, thinks the opposite. And that's the joke. It's that, that's and the that's joke. the joke. I think there are two problems with it. One... Like a seven-year-old girl is the source of your irony. Mm-hmm. I think that's and two. And what what I think is actually a problem with the way we live tweeted those Oscars uh, when the Onion doesn't do headlines and just comes off as like a snarky comedian. Mm-hmm. That I think sort of grays up our voice, right? Because the Onion, when the articles they when they break down the thing, yeah. like that's and you can live tweet things in like headline form, right? Which we which we made sure we did post that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we eventually we did that was the first time we actually responded by apologizing there was an actual apology there was an actual apology um, and which I'm sure this got a big response it was a bit of the it, the, it got it got it was huge, huge. Yeah, it, was, it huge. was huge it was it was a level of vitriol that we had never experienced before and to a point where the onion I love I love the onion I think it's the best. Um, I love what the onion stands for, but I also understand that in order for people to enjoy the onion and to also appreciate what the onion stands for, the onion has to be in business. And when you are the onion and you're not, you're not making TV money. Um, you can't afford to lose a lot of advertisers, right? Um, the advertisers are already 
for the most part on board with what the onion does. They'd have to be if they're Yeah. So that's good for us. But this I think warranted we had to like, I don't know, block up the dam or something like that or and I'd ra- I would rather live in the world where the onion exists because we apolog- because of our one apology for this for this right. tweet than a world where the onion doesn't exist and we just lost a shit ton of money because Purely because of integrity. Right. I mean, like, there's there were times after that tweet where we did things, said things that were still the target was right, and where people got upset, but we stood our ground. Sure. But I think this was just this was just a time when it made the most sense to apologize, and it's tough to say that as someone who totally believes in the Onion statement of speaking truth to power and fuck everyone. Like, I yeah, I get it. But I'm also a realist too, so uh, it was. But see, the cool thing, what, what I really liked, Friday, we released a news and brief. It was like report: the Onion has never been more popular. Oh yeah, yeah. Has never, the Onion yeah. has never been more popular or beloved by, yeah, yeah. By, by the reading public, and or something like that. And you know, it. I I, I don't mind you asking. It was. Um, it was a really interesting moment. In what the was the sister. decision like when that actually ha- or like had the decision the- was made by the CEO, um, and the Onion's still around. The Onion still does what it does. Yeah, uh, I haven't been there. I left last December. I still think the Onion's awesome, and I I go to it and I laugh all the time. Um, so the Onion's still going strong, and it's ma- and you know makes money. So like. That's great. Yeah. The onion, the onion around the yeah, everyone who works at the onion is super passionate about the onion and what the onion stands for and what it stood for when it came out 25, 28 years ago or wherever we are now. So like everyone there was super bummed when this was happening, but super pumped to just continue with the work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say the world without the onion would not be, be terrible. As, it would be such a bummer. And, but then getting back, like what we were saying for the, Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, never respond. Yeah, 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 to what people say about your comedy. It only your comedy is what you 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 put your comedy out there. That's your statement. Yep. You don't defend you don't defend it by for people who don't like it or people thought it was too much this or too much that. If if that happens, let it happen six months from now if people still care. But like, don't just like jump to Twitter, or jump to Facebook to like. Defend, defend, defend. You never look good doing that. Yeah. You just never respond. And let it be. And let it be. Yeah. And everybody will move on. Yeah. Everybody will move on or everybody will appreciate that you didn't respond. Yeah. Your true fan. And look, I would say The Onion probably lost some true fans by, by us responding. Like, what the hell are they doing? Right. For the most, we've never ever responded, but this time we did. But like, you look, be- you look better when you don't respond. Yeah. You look well, like I have really to say, as by- a fan of The Onion and yeah. somebody who th- has contributed which yeah, that's true. For, uh, for a short period of time, I was bummed. But, uh, you know, it's like you said. It's like it's, it had to be done. And, it's, it, and, it's, and also it's like – It's a matter of keeping the lights on. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, it, and uh, it bummed in a way where it was like, oh, because I know th- – I because of what The Onion is. Yeah. Like, it's, it's tough. But at the same time – a lot of people were fucking upset. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. it's when it when it hits a, a critical mass or whatever, and it has to be done. Right, it is what it is. Yeah, and as you said, it's still out there. Yeah, it's still making people happy. Yeah. 
Um, and making people pissed off as well. That's true. And it's doing, it's doing what it should be doing. It's doing its job. Yeah. God, we live in a good world. Yeah, buddy. That's, <laughs> that's how we should end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we do end our talk about Studio 60 on the Sunset Trip. Are you going to come out to me? I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to let you know first, and we'll, this will be put up. You know, in a couple months when For, I've when talked Meryl's... to everybody else, I've talked to my wife and my family, oh. um, and I've tweeted about it Great. and responded to some of the Twitter. You can respond know. to that, I guess. Yeah, because that you have to, it's decision. open a dialogue. It's a dialogue. Yeah. It's not a joke. Um, where do you see Matt Albee now? Uh, where do you see him 10 years from now? Matt Albee, the character? <laughs> <laughs> or Matt Albee, the real person? <laughs> I'll let you choose. <laughs> Matt Albee has won uh, the Thurber Prize for American Humor mm. the year he came back to Studio 60, so 2006, and now it's 2014. He's still the head writer of Studio 60. So he's won the Thurber Award eight years in mm-hmm. a row. Um, he has won 76 Peabody's. Wow. Studio 60 has won... 174 Emmys. Wow. And it was given an honorary Oscar for, for excellence. It won the Oscar for excellence. <laughs> That's the first time a TV show has been awarded any Oscar. Right. Now, 10 years from now, mm-hmm. Matt Albee is the head writer of Studio 60. Mm-hmm. He's winning more awards. More Thurbers. And he knows... That he is changing the world mm. one sketch at a time. Wow. He has had offers to do other things. To go back to movies. To go back to movies to perhaps host uh, the tonight, the tonight, the oh, what's it called? It's, it's a late night tonight. Mm. He's had offers to do that, but he knows that his home is Studio 60. That's what keeps him young. That's what keeps him vibrant. That's what he keeps his mind working. Wow. And that's where he's making a difference. Wow. Danny Tripp is dead. Wow. Danny, Danny died. How did he die? He died in a brutal, brutal car accident. Wow. And here's how it happened. He was driving down Sunset Boulevard and a motorcycle hit him head on went through the windshield, sliced him in half. Wow. Symmetrically. So he was split per- perfectly split in half. Oh my God. Sort of like in Mortal Kombat 2. Right. The guy with the hat. Yeah. His fatality was right down you the could, middle. Right. Um, Kung Lao, it might have been. I don't think so, but something right. Well, it wasn't Liu Kang. Kang. No. Was it Liu Kang? Liu Kang was, uh, he turned into a dragon and bit you off. Okay. A bit. So yeah, that's enough, that's how enough. Danny Tripp But he hasn't died yet it, That just happens 10 or 15 years from now And can I say this also Yeah That you are the person who knows this There's, I'm the person you, who knows this. You are the one person that can say this definitively And here's what happens Danny Tripp lays in state He's given a huge funeral that takes place in Washington D.C. Matt Albee gives the best eulogy that has ever heard in the history of eulogies. Wow. And it goes down as the perfect mix of humor mm. and pathos. And I assume he w- wins a Yuli for that. 
He has to. He wins the Yuli. Wow. That's right. For best eulogy. Best of, eulogy. Of 2024. Best eulogy 2024. Wow. And I think maybe an honorary Oscar for that as well. Honorary Oscar. And he returns the next year to give the Yuli to Craig. Who does he give it to? President Barack Obama. For who? <laughs> Joe Biden. And his wife. <laughs> Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. There's a lot of Joe Biden had an affair, got married to Michelle, Michelle Obama. Obama, and then uh, actually, what happened was, what they don't say, yeah, is that Barack Obama found both of them, and, and made, he stabbed yeah. mid coitus. Yeah, yeah, he stabbed his wife. He stabbed the wife with with a uh, with a like a fireplace poker a poker and fire he, poker. He, he blunt force trauma Bl- Joe okay. Biden's head and that's and he murdered his wife he murdered his wife which made the eulogy that much more because like right and they can't find sasha and malia and i don't think they're going to no that's how we should end the podcast yeah well thank you seth for, thank you for having me on and this is important and um comedy is important sketch comedy is important sketch comedy is important.com check it out all right thanks seth have a good one We'll be the very model of a modern network TV show Each time that we walk into this august and famous studio We're starting out from scratch after a run of 20 years And so we hope that you don't mind that our producer was not doing well We hope that you don't mind that their producer was not doing well We hope that you don't mind that their producer was not doing well I'd like to thank my guest, Seth Reese, for uh, stopping by again to watch Studio 60 And uh, we, we just signed a contract uh, that he is on board to watch every episode of Studio 60 over the course of the next, uh, I guess it would be 20 years. So stay tuned for that. If you're a fan of the podcast, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, follow on Twitter at Craig Rowan or at It's That Episode. And um, in general, just watch every episode of Studio 60 on the Sunset Trip. I think that's the only advice that uh, is needed and wanted and warranted. Um, I guess we'll see you next time. Have a great night and early manana. Adios, amigos. That wasn't the same thing we said. Evangelicals are lining up to tag our toe And then the corporations will not hesitate to pull their dough But still when we walk into this august and famous studio We'll be the very model of a modern network TV show But still when we walk into this august and famous studio We'll be the very model of a modern network TV show But still when we walk into this august and famous studio